but as you get your handouts, if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to Genesis chapter 4. That's where we're going to begin. You can also uh, stick something in Hebrews chapter 11. Those are the two texts that we'll look at. There are a couple you see that I put on your handout that I will reference. But the two we'll spend most time in are Genesis 4 and Hebrews 11. I ran up those stairs and I'm trying to talk like I'm not out of breath. But Genesis chapter 4. So this is where we're picking up with the story of Cain and Abel. So what I wanted to start out by doing is to... Uh, and this is pretty funny, too. I brought the wrong notes for tonight, so I'm going to teach with... Can I have one of those handouts? I'll just use one of y'all's. I left my teacher's edition. I brought um, the notes that I'm going to use to teach the kids tomorrow at BE. And so, unless y'all want a preview of the Vacation Bible School lesson, I'll just follow along with y'all's notes for tonight. But I want to start out with a refresher. I want us to look at this text in Genesis chapter 4. And after we read the text, we'll talk about this a little bit, and then we'll move to looking at a little bit more of the story. But Genesis chapter 4, I want to begin just in verse 1, and we'll read through verse 5, and that'll help us set the table. It says, Now Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain, a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. Now, you'll also notice on your handouts that Question number one is, is numbered as question number three. We don't have to get into the reason why that is. But question three, I'm just going to start there. Um, what is the difference in God's response to each of the brothers' sacrifice? Because, of course, that's the, one of the main things we're talking about tonight. So we see here both brothers bring a sacrifice. How does God respond to Abel's? How does God respond to Cain's sacrifices that they brought? That's right. So he accepts Abel's, as it says there, uh, he had regard for Abel's offering. Uh, and for Cain, he had no regard for the offering that he brought. Um, now, I want to point this out to you as well. If you look there in verse 4, in the second sentence, it says, And the Lord had regard for what? Abel and his offering. Now, I want you to make note of that because that's it's going to be very important as we try and answer this question of why God accepts one offering and not the other. Uh, we usually talk about that, and we say that God accepted Abel's offering and that God did not accept Cain's offering, which is true. It's absolutely true. But there's more here. It says the Lord had regard or the Lord was pleased with or the Lord was accepting of Abel and his offering. Then verse 5, but for Cain... And his offering, he had no regard. So that's something to make note of. That's going to help us as we're trying to answer this question. Now, 
what are some of the reasons, I know some of you have discussed this or heard people discuss this, what are some of the reasons that you might have heard through the years that people have given for why God accepted Abel's offering and why he didn't accept Cain's offering? Have any of y'all ever heard anybody giving educated guesses at this? Okay, so attitude and motives. Those are... Okay, so his heart. Mm-hmm. And I've heard that as well, that, that Abel gave his best. And it does say in verse 4, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions, where in verse 3 it just said, in the course of time Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, where it doesn't necessarily say as the first fruits. And so some people look at that and say, okay, here we see a difference, um, you know, that, that it appears that Cain just brought an offering, but Abel brought the best of what he had to offer. And so I have heard that given uh, as a possible motive for why God accepted Abel's and not Cain's. One other that's pretty popular um, has to do with the, the actual offerings themselves and the fact that Abel's uh, was a living lamb that had blood, so it would be more like the sacrifices that we see in the Old Testament as he's bringing an actual lamb, uh, where Cain's was not, and it was, you know, fruit of the ground, as it says here. And so that's why God was more accepting of Abel's offering, because it was a lamb, it was a, a living uh, animal, versus just the fruit of the ground. But to dispel a couple of those... Um, I want us to look at verse 7 in the same chapter. Oh, we'll really we'll go and read verses 6 and 7. But as we look here, I think if we pay very close attention, we start to see a hint as to the reason why God responds the way he does to each. In verse 6, it says, The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. So here, right after this, right after God accepts Abel's offering and does not accept Cain's, and I know sometimes we get these images in our head of how things went. The truth is we don't know how this went. We don't know that, that like they literally... So they're not in the garden, right? This isn't Adam and Eve just in the physical presence of God. So we don't know that, it's, that Abel actually brought this and said, Here, God, I brought you this lamb. And Cain said, Here, God, I brought you this fruit. And God said, Thank you, Abel. No, thank you, Cain. We don't know how that went. I know sometimes y'all may have a picture of how you think this process took place. We don't know. It doesn't lay that out. In this time, in this day and time, we don't know what the, offer, the, the sacrifice system looked like. But... In some way, it was clear. It was very clear to Cain because immediately he becomes angry and immediately his face falls. And then God says to him, why are you angry? Why is your face falling? And then I think at the beginning of verse 7, we see a hint as to why Cain's offering was less acceptable. He says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And I think in that, we start to see a hint as to why his offering and he uh, were not accepted at the time. Why God didn't have regard. He says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And I think the, the, the thought behind that is, 
almost will you not be accepted also as Abel and his offering had already been accepted. Cain, if you do well, I know in the King James Version it says if you do right, uh, which can be helpful for us because a lot of times we use the word righteous and we think about that word righteous a good bit. If you do right, will you not be accepted? And so I think y'all are on something, a couple of you that's, that mentioned something about um, why you think this is having to do with the motive of their heart. And see, this is where I get in trouble if I don't have my teacher sheet because I just answered question four and I didn't ask y'all question four. But I think that we see that hint in, in this text, in this verse. I think we see a hint. We don't see it fully laid out, but we see a hint of God saying, Cain, you're upset. You're not happy. But why? Because if you do well and if you rule over sin, do you not know that you'll be accepted as well? So since it's not fully laid out here, because I told y'all Sunday morning, it's not the point of this text to know why God accepted one and not the other. So we're going to have to look somewhere else. Matthew 23, 35. You don't have to turn there. I typed it on y'all sheets for you so that we wouldn't have to do Bible drills. In Matthew chapter 23, um, Jesus is speaking the woes to the scribes and the Pharisees. Um, he is really letting them have it. He's, he's telling them lots of things that they have done that they shouldn't have done. Uh, he's breaking down their defenses against some of those. And in them, one of the things that, they, uh, that he speaks against is this idea that if they would have lived in the old days, that, that they wouldn't have ever been for killing any of the prophets which had been done by some of the people of Israel, that they wouldn't have ever done that. And, and Jesus here specifically is telling them uh, that that's not true, that because of the way that they have lived, that it's clear that they also have shed the blood of the innocent people, of the messengers that God has sent. And so in verse 35, we read this. He says, So that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on earth, from the blood of innocent Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. And so there he's just running the gamut of the Old Testament uh, spokespeople for God that, that were innocent, that had their bloodshed. But in that verse, there are two descriptive words that are used that can be applied to Abel. And I want us to make note of those. What words do you see in verse 35 that could be applied to Abel that would be... Um, adjectives for Abel. Righteous, right? Because he, he refers to the blood of Abel or the blood of Zechariah as being righteous blood. So that's the first thing that we see there, that, that Jesus here is giving the idea that Abel was righteous, in right standing with God. And then there's one more. What other word? He's a son. And we also see there that he is, it says, from the blood of what, Abel? Innocent. Innocent. So, do what? Oh, it doesn't say that? Uh, sometimes I don't type things correctly there either. Huh. So this just says righteous a second time. Uh, in the ESV, as I have it here, it says, from, uh, 
on you may come all the righteous blood shed on earth from the blood of innocent Abel. But it's okay because those words are very similar in the way that they're being used here. Him being in right standing with God or him being innocent um, because that shows that he is in right standing with God either way that he has not sinned, that he is uh, doing well in the way that he is living. So both of those show us something about Abel. Now we haven't seen anything about Cain yet, but we do see there why God would be accepting and specifically why it says in Genesis 4-4 that God had regard for Abel and his offering because Abel was righteous. Abel was in right standing with God. Abel was a righteous man. Abel was an innocent man in the eyes of God. So of course God would accept him and God would accept his offering. But the question still stands, why did God not accept the offering that Cain brought? And that's what we see in 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 and 12, that I also have there for you. It says, For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. So again there we see a reiteration that Abel was righteous, that Abel was in right standing. But what do we also see about Cain there? How is Cain described in verse 12? Being of the evil one. And who's that talking about, the evil one? Satan, right? So we're talking about Satan, we're talking about the devil here, and it's saying that Cain is following the path, following the leadings, following the temptations of Satan. It's another way that's used in Scripture to tell us that he was lost, right? He was not in right standing. He was not in right relationship with God. Abel was, Cain was not. If we were speaking in modern-day terms, we would say Abel was a Christian, Cain was not a Christian. And so that's what we see and also, what do we see in verse 12 about the deeds of Cain? How are his deeds referred to? They are evil, right? It says, uh, because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. So again, we see why in Genesis 4, 5, it says that God did not have regard for Cain or for his offering because Cain was not somebody that had a relationship with God. Cain is not somebody... Uh, that trusted God. Cain is not somebody that was living for God. So the fact that he just brought an offering to offer to God didn't mean anything. It would be like, if we want to give an analogy, and of course analogies aren't ever perfect, but if we're trying to give an analogy that would help us to understand this, it would be like a lost person that goes to church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, and every Wednesday night. They're still lost. They have no relationship with God. They have no faith in God. They don't trust in God. But they go to church because they think that that's what you're supposed to do. They think that going to church makes you a good person. So they don't love God. They don't trust God. They don't follow God. They don't live for God. But they do go to church. Uh, so they're doing a righteous act. They're doing something that's a good act. But they're not doing it for the right motives. They're not doing it because they love God and because they want to worship God, and because they want to praise God, and because they want to grow closer to God. They're just doing it because they think that that's a good thing to do. Another way that many of you may have seen this play out, if you've ever been dealing with kids before, and there was more than one of them, then this has probably come up. One of them wanted something that the other one had. Have y'all ever had that happen before? There are two kids, and I want 
the blue cup or I want that toy or I want that crayon. That's happened to y'all? All right, this isn't just me. And so you ask sometimes, kid number one, would you let kid number two have the blue crayon? And have y'all ever seen it go this way? Fine. <laughs> y'all ever seen that? So you could say, in essence, they did the right they did the right thing, right? They gave them the crayon. But what was their heart like when they gave them the crayon? Right? They didn't have the right motive, did they? They weren't happy about it. They weren't joyful about it. They weren't doing it in a cheerful way. They were just doing it because they thought they were going to get in trouble if they, didn't, if they didn't do it. So they gave them. So you said, well, they gave them the toy. Cain brought an offering. And that's what sometimes we get stuck in our head. We read Genesis 4 and we say, but Cain brought an offering. But it's not just about bringing an offering. God doesn't need any more food. Right? Cain brought some food. God didn't need food. He didn't need the fruit of the ground. What God desired is that his people would love him, and out of that love, they would offer sacrifices to him. God never needed the blood of any lamb. God doesn't need us to come to church on Sunday. God doesn't need us to read our Bible. God doesn't need us to go and serve our neighbor. His desire is that we would cheerfully and joyfully want to do those things that we would understand who he is would understand how worthy he is and whenever we gave money to the church that we wouldn't be like little kids writing it and throwing it in the offering plate and saying here i'm gonna be in trouble if i don't do this so let me do it but that we would say god you've given me so much and god you are so worthy that i'm going to give 10 percent of my income and more because I want to give back to you, the God that's given to it. I want to sacrifice. I want to offer things, not because I have to, but because I want to. And we see that difference here. We see Cain is of the evil one, that Cain is not righteous, that Cain does not have a right standing relationship with God, and that Abel does. And so Abel brings an offering, and God accepts it, and God is pleased with it. And Cain, like somebody that has religion, but no relationship, says, well, let me walk through this. Abel did it. Mom and dad did it. So I should do it. God, here's my offering. And God wasn't pleased with his offering. God didn't accept his offering. It has nothing to do with a lamb or with some fruit. It has nothing to do with the offering. It has nothing to do with one had blood and one had seed. It doesn't have anything to do with any of that. It doesn't have to do with the fact that this was the firstborn lamb. He may have brought the firstborn of the fruit. It doesn't say. It doesn't have anything. It has to do with the heart in which it was brought. It has to do with the people that brought it. And that's where I want us to look in Hebrews chapter 11. Because I don't want you to just take my word for it. Here we've kind of speculated a little bit as we see how Abel was regarded by Christ, as we see how Cain was regarded. But Hebrews chapter 11, if we're not clear yet, makes it as clear as we need it to be, I believe. Verse 4 says, By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gift, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. In the first part of verse 4, we see the answer to our question. Why did God accept Abel's offering? Why was his offering more pleasing than Cain's. And it says, by faith. By faith, 
Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. Then it does continue and say something else that's important for us because sometimes we read about somebody in the Bible and it says that, um, not the way I typed it, but in the Bible it says that Abel was innocent. And it says that Abel was righteous. But the Bible also says in Romans 3.23 that all people have sinned. So how does that work? How is Abel righteous and innocent but everybody has sinned? Now, do y'all think that Abel sinned at some point in his life? Yes, I absolutely believe that because Romans 3.23 says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. He's part of all. So we see the answer to that question in the second part of verse 4 where it says, through which he was commended as righteous. What is it that made or that caused God to commend him as righteous? What was it in the first part that Abel had that makes him righteous in God's eyes? That's right, his life, his testimony, his faith, right? His faith. It wasn't that he had never done anything wrong that made him righteous. It wasn't that he had actually lived a perfect life that made him righteous and innocent. No, it says here that by faith he offered an acceptable sacrifice through which he was commended as righteous. By faith he was commended as righteous. And that's really great because how are you and I commended as righteous in God's eyes? Through what? Faith, right? When we have faith in Jesus Christ, we're made righteous. All of our sins are taken away. All of our punishment is taken away. All of our guilt is taken away. It doesn't happen just because we do some things that good people do. Can I go to church every Sunday and be declared righteous just because I went to church? If I read my Bible every day of my life, outside of a relationship with Christ, but I do read my Bible every day, is God going to declare me righteous because I read my Bible every day? No. If I sing song, if I listen to Caleb every day that I ride in my car, even during uh, the giving period, whatever that's called, the, the pledge drive, even if I listen during the pledge drive, is God going to say that I'm righteous? No. When will God say that I'm righteous? When I have faith in Jesus Christ. It's the only time, it's the only way that we can be made righteous is through faith and belief in Jesus Christ. And it's happened ever since then. It's what this whole chapter is about. You can read Hebrews 11. It's talking about the faith of people. It goes through and it goes through and goes through. But what we see here is the answer to the question, the burning question, the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say it. The reason that God didn't accept Cain's sacrifice is because he brought his sacrifice without faith. He was following a religious pattern. I was told that I should bring an offering, or I think that I should bring an offering, so here's an offering. I don't believe in God. I don't trust in God. I don't live my life for God, but here's an offering. It's like a lost person going to church. It's like a kid throwing the crayon to the other kid. They're doing what seems to be a good pattern of living, but they're doing it with the wrong motive, and God is not going to have regard or be pleased with that sort of life. Now, here's the last thing I want to make sure because especially on something like this, right? We can hear that sermon Sunday morning and get so interested. I want to know why did God accept Cain's, or accept Abel's and not Cain's? And we can, that question can be burning. And now I've answered the question. We say, yes, I'm done. I found the answer to my question. But we have to remember, we didn't come here just to have that question answered. We came here so that we could learn from God's word about how God wants us to live. 
So the question is, how does this text apply for us? Well, I think what this text makes very clear is that our lives and that our offerings and that our sacrifices need to flow out of our faith in God. Right? Have y'all ever, you don't have to raise your hand, rhetorical question. Have y'all ever helped somebody, but you didn't really want to help them? Whether it was a neighbor or a friend or somebody, they ask you to help them do something, and you help them, but you're inside you're like that kid throwing the crayon. Oh, I don't want to do this. I do not want to go help this person. I do not want to. You ever come to church and done that? We're being honest. Right at Sunday morning, I've had a bad week. I do not feel good this morning. I'm going to go to church because I'm supposed to go to church. I just want this preacher to shut up so I can get out of here. I don't want to be here. Right? Sometimes we do these things. And that's like offering an offering without faith. Right? What we need to remember is that we don't serve people because we look bad if we don't, right? My neighbor asked me to help him. Well, I'm going to help him because I look bad if I don't go help him. Right? He's going to tell everybody that he asked me to help him. I didn't help him, and I don't want that to happen, so let me go serve. I don't serve people just so I don't look like a bad person. Why should I serve people? How does faith apply to that? Because faith says that God wrote this book and that everything in it is true, and this book says that I should love others in the way that I love myself. Right? This, this says that I should love my neighbor as myself. And if I have faith that God is real and that God really wrote this, then I'm going to serve my neighbor not because I want to look good. I'm going to serve my neighbor because God has called me to serve my neighbor. I have faith that what God says is best. So I'm serving my neighbor. I'm helping my friend because God has told me to. I'm not, I'm not serving my friend. I'm really serving God. Right, when I give money to the church, you're not giving money to help Mount Zion. It's not how this works. You're not giving money because Mount Zion needs it for the budget. You're not giving money to me because I'm the pastor and that's how my salary's paid. The way that this is supposed to work is that I have faith that God is in control of everything and that he has called me to give a certain amount of money to the church. So I'm not giving to Mount Zion. I'm giving to God. Right? I'm giving to him. When I serve somebody else, I'm serving him. I'm not reading my Bible because I think that that's what my youth minister told me years ago that I should do every day. I'm reading my Bible because I believe it's God's word. I have faith that this is God's word and that the more I know of it, the more that I'm going to live like him, and that's what I need to do. So all of our offerings, all of our sacrifices, all of our actions should flow out of our faith our understanding that God is God and that God is worthy. If I believe that and all of my actions flow from that, then I'm offering sacrifices that are going to be acceptable and pleasing to God. So it's very important that we not only get stuck on why Cain and Abel's were accepted and not accepted, but we remember that it needs to apply to our life. We need to know how we should offer things to God, and we should offer them in faith, so that we will be commended as righteous as well. Any questions about that? No? Okay. If not, if y'all would pray with me as we dismiss tonight. Father God, I am so thankful. I'm thankful for the clarity of your word. Lord, that you give us such tangible examples as Cain and Abel. Lord, because we have all been there. We have all done things with improper motives. Lord, we have done things because we didn't want to look bad. We've done things because we wanted to look good. 
But tonight we're reminded, Father, that we need to do things because you're God and you're worthy of our service and our actions and our lives. Lord, help us to serve you in all that we do. Help us to do it joyfully and cheerfully, not like children throwing a toy to one another, but, Father, like people that know that God has uh, had regard for us when you shouldn't have, that you have sent your Son to die in our place, that you have taken away our sins, and that we joyfully want to give back to you, the God that has done all that for us. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your clarity and teaching. Be with us as we go our separate ways tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right.